When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Affleck and Daily Thrones is on the air. It is time for your thoughts and theories and speculations and mixed in with mine as we look towards season eight. Oh my gosh, I almost said seven. Time flies, but not fast enough. We need the comfort of season eight. Got myself a new wall painting, a, I guess a canvas painting of the world of Westeros and Essos. Planetos, as I believe we are actually supposed to call it. What is el- What else is out there? It's a great uh, painting. I think you can find it on Etsy if you just type in uh, like Game of Thrones wall maps, canvas paintings. You'll find it. You'll see. It's very sparse, but it's very realistic. I love that kind of stuff. And I'm about to hang it in my room. Just want to share that with you guys. It's the joy of Game of Thrones. Decorating your house, decorating your your hovel, your your apartment, your uh, your tent. Whatever your whatever your situation is, oh man, I'd like a Game of Thrones tent. Uh, I'm excited about it. I wish this was a video podcast. I'd show you the map right now. I get to sit in my room and just study the map, to study the world of Game of Thrones. I think that's the point when you know you are really, really hooked. And I know some people who are like, ah, you know, I like the show. Oh wait, it's the best show ever. I'm hooked. When you really turn the corner is when you pick up a map and you just start studying it and you stare at it. And if you read the books, of course the maps are on the front of the books and as the books go on and the story progresses and uh, more houses are named, more castles named, more lands discovered in the story, the maps get more detailed. I love going back to the first map for the first book, A Game of Thrones, and seeing how sparse it is. And at the time, you kind of thought, well, is this is this, this is this the world? Even after I started reading the first book, after the first season, you hear all these other things. You hear like a, of Dornish women and Dornish wine, but you you don't really place it. You just know it's south on the map. You know it factors in some other time. But when you go back to that first book, that first map, it's so fun to see how sparse it is. I love this world, but that is, I really believe, when you turn the corner. When you find yourself just studying, well, okay, so that's where they traveled, and they moved down that way. Okay, I'm on board. You're just making mental notes of this world. How many of you have done that, and how many of you found that that was the point that you really found yourself hooked? I find myself really studying north of the wall. You guys know I'm obsessed with the wall, the Night's Watch, all those things. I love looking north of the wall, the Frost Fangs and Craster's Keep. And uh, the haunted forest, all those kind of things, and then uh, heading to uh, you know up up where the Thens live, and then north of that, the lands of always winter. I wonder if we'll ever get that answer. To me, map always cuts off right at the top, and I take that as well. These explorers, they haven't gone that far. The the map makers in this world, no one really figures, no one knows. What's beyond the lands of always winter? 
That's we're just going to call them the lands of always winter. Very few have gone up there. Even fewer come back. It's it's like uh, uh, going east in the shadow. You know, a, a, a shy by the shadow. Not a lot of people going beyond that. There's got to be something out there. I wonder if we'll ever find out. I wonder if we'll ever have full knowledge of the entire world of Westeros and Essos and our dear Planetos. What do you guys think about maps? I don't know. Let me know here in Deadly Thrones. But now it's time for your calls. Let's get into some theories, some speculations, and some fun talk about Season 8 and more things here in Game of Thrones on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Let's talk about the Golden Company for a second, and particularly where they're going to make landfall. I got a couple options, and I can't quite decide which way I want to go. I've got the south, directly to the south, and at King's Landing, where they would be used as crowd control uh, when the food riots start, when things go bad, and to reinforce the Lannisters there. Or they land in the east and cut across to the Riverlands and act as the as a shield uh, and first line of defense against, quote-unquote, Danny and John and Cersei's in mind, but we know that's going to be the Night King. Both have their uh, strengths and their weaknesses. Um, but what do you think? Uh, you know that I think the Night King is coming uh, straight south with 95% of his troops, while he and 5% are going to attack Winterfell, as I've talked about before. Uh, what do you think about this? Thanks. All right, speaking of maps, we're talking about where the Golden Company might land and what might their purpose be for Cersei. Another great call from Kevin. Uh, look, here's the thing. I think if you got, if they're 20,000 strong on the show, including elephants, I will disagree with Kevin's idea that the, the Golden Company would just be used for crowd control in King's Landing. The City Watch still exists. You got some Lannister troops. They can do that. If you got 20,000 men at your call, at your beck and call, mounted men, mounted elephant men, you take them and you send them into battle. Now, we know Cersei's supposed to wait. I get that. But I think Kevin's closer with the idea that they could be up at the Riverlands and providing a barrier, a line of defense against whatever is coming down south. Let's just say, let's just say, let's just say it's all goes wrong and the Night King takes his army down straight to Winterfell, destroys all the other castles on the way down, the last earth, earth, the last hearth, the umbers, gone, no more. They head to Winterfell, gone, no more. The Dreadfort, gone, no more. Maybe even head out to Bear Island, the Iron Islands. Maybe they're working their way down. You're going to want those 20,000 men there. Now, we know that those 20,000 men probably don't stand a chance. That's the problem with the Night King, right? It just He's got this. It's his battle to lose. So that could be 20,000 new men for a, an undead army. But in Cersei's mind, she doesn't fully know what's going on. Doesn't fully believe, believes, but doesn't fully believe. So I think think she could sit, uh, put that... Uh, that army there and just hope it, it keeps everything from down coming down south. I think that's the only way you can use it. Of the 20,000, maybe you want to hold 5,000 back in King's Landing to help with crowd control? Well, all right, that makes some sense. I can get behind that. But if everything's coming down from the north, I think you go almost right to the neck and you block it off. You strangle everything at the neck. Fortunately, something Cersei might learn and more ways than one. What do you guys think? How would you use the Golden Company if you were Cersei Lannister? 
And do they even stand a chance? Call in here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken. So we've done uh, what-if scenarios on Daily Thrones before, and I have, I, have a, I have one for you. What if Rob, Rob Stark, never broke his word and he married a Frey daughter? Do you think the war would have gone differently if he did not make that fatal mistake? Great question from Eric about what if. We love doing what ifs here on Daily Thrones. What if Rob Stark had followed through with his, well, promise to marry a Frey daughter? If it was Rosalind Frey, it looks like that's probably would have been uh, the situation. What would have happened? Would the War of Five Kings gone differently? Absolutely. I think that's the easy answer up top. Uh, we can just maybe guess, maybe maybe think that the Red Wedding itself wouldn't have happened. I mean, that one just wouldn't have been the case. That was done in retaliation for Rob not marrying uh, a Frey daughter instead of falling for Talisa, Jane Westerling, in the books, of course. So we know that would have been different. But let's try to move that aside. That's the easy answer. Let's try to think what would have happened. Well, the Freys would have sided. Now, as we've seen later on, the Frey army, eh, when they're not uh, surprising people at weddings, uh, they're not the best. The siege of River Run shows that the mm, nah, maybe 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 it was okay that Rob didn't have them. But let's say hey, you take that army, you you have an easier time marching around. Do you take it to the Lannister army at Casterly Rock? I think that would have been Rob's eventual target. I think he would have got. Now he only decided to attack Ta- Casterly Rock uh, in the uh, you know. Uh, in the moments leading up to the Red Wedding and in the days before, days and weeks before, because, uh, you know, he wanted to really uh, take it to them. And, and, and Kate, Cat, Catelyn was like, let's, let's, let's get it when it hurts. Rob didn't come to that decision uh, soon enough for me. I always thought you should have just, hey, they're over at King's Landing. We're going to go take your seat of power, your, your, your home. Maybe with the Frey army opening up a lot of different possibilities, maybe maybe that's what I've done. Now, also the Tullys and then their their army, the Blackfish and Edmure, everyone they would have been uh, bolstered, had more power. I think they would have been able to hold a lot more ground in River Run and uh, not uh, well the Riverlands and River Run. Um, I think also the Riverlands, uh, you know, then then you would have been able to deal with some of the other problems. Uh, the mountain run around, a lot of the uh, smaller uh, incidents that, that plagued the land that brought, of course, the Brotherhood uh, without banners. I think you would have put some of those fires out a little bit more. Basically, Rob would have had a more co- co- uh, cohesive army and would have been able to carry out some of his goals. He was winning the battles, but not the war. And when he didn't side with the phrase. And then he, he started losing his way. And then you lose the car starts. You start losing men. You start losing an army. Rob was failing and flailing uh, a lot sooner than it even seemed. So I think he would have had a more steady, like I said, cohesive army. And he could have made bigger, bolder decisions. It got to a point that he just kind of was wait, waiting around. They didn't have the strength. They didn't have the advantage anymore. And I think with the Frey army, whether or not they were good fighters... Uh, that one, you, you, you don't, don't worry about that. He just would have had the numbers, which would have given Rob a peace of mind and confidence to make some bigger, bolder moves. What do you guys think if Rob Stark had held true to his promise? What would have that had done? What would have Rob's moves been? 
Again, we know the Red Wedding wouldn't have been, but let me know if Rob Stark had married a fray, what would have happened?